Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Warrior podcast. This is Sherry Beck, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kent Solheim. Kent is a Green Beret and the founder and program development lead for the nonprofit Gold Star Teen Adventures. Kent, welcome to Behind the Warrior. Thank you, Sherry. It's so nice to have you on, and uh, before we get into the details of what Gold Star Teen Adventures does, I'd love to know a little bit about where you grew up and what led you to joining the military. Sure. Um, so, to, to answer where I grew up, that's kind of a hard question. Um, my, my, uh, my dad's work, which wasn't the military, but still he had a job that we were you know, relatively transient, so uh, moved a lot. I was born in, in Oregon City, Oregon, but um, ended up at, actually when I was five years old, we moved up to Canada where my dad worked and uh, lived about seven years in the province of Alberta and then uh, about eight years in the province of Ontario. <clears throat> and then in, um, I got to think because it's, it's been a minute ago, <laughs> um, 1994, crossed uh, over to the U.S. border and enlisted in the United States Army. So, uh, and, you know, as far as your question about what led me to a military career, it's funny when, you know, even I think back of being a, being a child, uh, being a soldier was always something I talked about, you know, thought about, and military was not a part of my family. You know, I've got a very patriotic family, but, um, immediate service with either my parents or siblings, you know, that, that, that was not a part of my life growing up, but, um, just, I guess always kind of drawn to this idea. Um, and then in sort of high school got away from that idea a little bit. And then, uh, as I graduated high school that look, you know, kind of longing for some purpose in my life at that point really drew me back to that idea. So, uh, enlisted and, um, have been doing this for coming on this year will be 28 years. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Was being a Green Beret your ultimate goal, Kent? No, no, that's a good question too. I didn't, uh, I didn't even know what a Green Beret was, you know, I, um, and just my journey through the, through the army from when I started to when I eventually in 2002 was the year that I, I, I tried out to be a, a Green Beret and went to what we call selection, uh, assessment and selection. But when, um, when I joined the military, I'd never met a Green Beret, didn't know what it was. You know, John Wayne was the only Green Beret I knew about. <laughs> it was on <laughs> on the movie, right? But yeah. um, uh, in, in typical Special Operations Command fashion, there was some great recruiting pamphlets in, in the uh, Army Exchange and did a little research on my own and uh, kind of ignited that idea in me that that's something I think I, that I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Kent, in 2007, you were seriously injured, losing your right leg. Um, you spent re- time at Walter Reed recovering and rehabilitating. And apart from focusing on your own care and getting better, you also were witness uh, to some things that you saw from your peers. Can you elaborate on that? For sure. Yeah, that was... Um, there were some really sort of profound and life-changing 
um, experiences that happened to me in my time at Walter Reed. So all in all, uh, my road to recovery was uh, capped out, I think, at 37 surgeries and mm-hmm. in and outpatient at Walter Reed for a period of about, about a year. Mm-hmm. And so when I was wounded, it was really the height of the war in Iraq and the, sur- the surge was happening then. And so you had a lot of service members that um, were both losing their lives in that time and then and then being wounded just by uh, the sheer number of soldiers over there and the activities that we were doing. So the time I was, was there, uh, I even reflect back on when I first arrived that the ward of the hospital that I was supposed to be in was so full that I ended up going into another ward and, you know, we had, there was patients um, in the hallway at that time for, for, you know, short periods of time. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was a pretty crazy time to be at the hospital, but anyway, over, over that, that period that I talked about that I was a patient, both in and out patient, um, I saw sort of two categories of recovering service members. And the, the first category were those that, um, their, their injury for a lack of a better way to describe it, I think sort of stunted, stunted their development as a human being, you know, and, and they, you know, they didn't lose their life the day that that traumatic event happened. But unfortunately I don't think they ever recovered or came back from it. And I don't necessarily mean that in a physical sense, because mm-hmm. obviously those kind of very serious traumatic injuries are life changing and there's new normals that have to come after an event like that. But but more profound to me was those that sort of became defined by that event. And I think a lot of things that happened after it were always second to the fact that, you know, I was wounded. This is who I am now. And, um, you know, perhaps the potential that those young people could reach could be, would have been if said event hadn't happened. And that was all stunted by their, their traumatic experience. And oddly enough, some of those injuries, relatively speaking, were not as extreme as the second group of people that I'm going to talk about. And those were the ones that suffered, you know, horrible injuries, but came out of that dark tunnel, you know, as recovered as they were going to be and moved on in their lives. And, you know, I always say moving on can mean any number of things, whether that's finishing an education, going on to a profession, marrying somebody that you love, and all those things that I guess we kind of um, categorize as things you do in the journey of your life. But that second group of people, they, um, they, they, they came out of that tunnel and they went on with their lives and the things that defined them were, were not their injury at all or injuries, you know, some, some people with, you know, a, a whole rap sheet of injuries. Right. And, right. and they were, uh, you know, they were John Smith, you know, the father, the professional, the student and whatever else. And, Oh yeah, by the way, it just happens to be, you know, a bilateral amputee or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was remarkable to me that, you know, how the human spirit can respond to things like this and how your inner energy and your determination and some of the things that some things we can't help, but some things we can will as well. And so just to watch those 
sort of two groups of people and, and start questioning, okay, how do we, how do we become the first group? You know, cause that's really what matters, right? I'm sorry. The second group, mm-hmm. uh, that that's the group that matters. The one that, that moves forward. Um, and so that's really, was, was, it was a very important lesson for me. Um, especially even as we, as we looked at gold star teen adventures and, and what we wanted for the, for the young people that were in our program. Right. Right. Um, well, you've, you've continued to serve your country and, um, what, what led you to starting and what inspired you to start gold star teen adventures, Kent? The, uh, you know, I always say that the, the event, you know, actually being wounded on July 27th, 2007. And I don't, I can't tell you the exact time, but somewhere around one or two in the morning, um, when I actually was, was wounded, mm-hmm. the events that led to what GSTA is or became really started like no kidding seconds after, after being wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <clears throat> I just have little snippets of memory of that night, you know, mm-hmm. of course, just because of blood loss and other things you uh, I lost a lot of that night, but, but there are things I really remember, you know, and I, I remember being shot. I remember knowing where some of those bullets hit and mm-hmm. missing some other ones. And, and I remember laying on the ground um, and trying to take in everything that was happening around me and what was going on. And I knew I, knew I was very seriously uh, injured. And the, the first thing that crossed my mind was my own two kids who were eight and 11 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just, you know, thinking about them and, and my need at that moment to, to fight, like fight for my own life. And, you know, that, that was the thing that woke me up and, and immediately following thinking about my two kids, I you know was able to get on the radio because at that time, um, nobody knew yet that I had been hit. Mm. so to you know get on the radio let uh my my fellow soldiers know hey this is what happened and you know at that time i my leg was i still have my leg but it was so damaged i thought it was gone Mm -hmm. and i knew i couldn't get myself out of the predicament i was in so um so really that was the you know the very first thing that happened that i reflected on later on uh, with the few things that I remember. So, you know, I always say two seconds, three seconds, whatever it was after being hit, that's the first thing that crossed my mind. And I've got to think that every other father <clears throat> that had enough wherewithal after something like this, it was, you know, wife and kids and family. And mm-hmm. that crosses your mind at, at, at that dark moment. Um, right. And so, and then fast forward as a, you know, pass through Germany and end up at Walter Reed and go through that, that tunnel I talked about. I was in my tunnel and my road to recovery. And, um, a second event that, that sticks out in my mind is, was, uh, a young, well, let me back up. I, I had a phenomenal surgeon at the hospital who really invested in and cared about my recovery in a, in a way that, uh, he's, he's definitely one of my heroes in my life, but mm-hmm. he, he, uh, came into my room uh, about two weeks after being, being hit. Um, 
he's the one that had done a lot of my surgeries already. And, uh, he sat down on my bed and he said, Hey, you know, uh, you, you're very seriously injured and, you know, kind of the, there's some uncertainties about the future as far as what I would, you know, or, or how I would be able to function even after I left the hospital in the bed. And so he said, you know, would you like to, would you like to talk to somebody that has been on this journey sort of ahead of you, you know, like he's about six months from his point of injury. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I jumped on that opportunity because, um, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what the future held and, and both my legs were, were wounded. Um, didn't really know if I was going to walk again. If I did walk again, what it was, what, you know, what was that going to be like? Mm-hmm. And, um, and particularly in one leg, I had some very, very extensive nerve damage that uh, would, would ultimately lead to, to me electively amputating uh, my limb. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I'll fast forward a little bit to the to you know that doctor bringing in this young man, and and uh, he was he had uh, very similar injuries. If you looked at him on paper, you'd think, yeah, we were pretty close as far as my worst injuries. And he walked into my room, you know, I always, I always say, Hey, he walked into my room, you know? So that was the first thing for me to see was, Hey, he's six months ahead of me, but he's vertical mm-hmm. and I'm still horizontal, you know, but he's vertical. And, uh, and he sat down and he talked to me about what, what he was going through and some of the procedures that I, I would have lying ahead of me. And, and it was, you know, a 15 or 20 minute conversation. But remarkable things happen, you know, when remarkable people cross your path. And so in in this instance, that was the that was the thing that I needed to to give me focus to say, hey, okay, um, you know, I, I'm gonna will what I can, I'm gonna work at what I can, and I'm going to own my own recovery to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I need the medical professionals, but I'm going to own what I can. And I really, um, really began to push hard at that point to recover probably far far more than I should, or that my doctors wanted me to, (laughs) but you know, that was, that was my goal. And Mm -hmm. so, so that was really lesson number two. And then I've already talked to you a little bit about lesson number three, but that was just watching different people's journeys Mm -hmm. and then different people's outcomes. Right. And so those three things really formulated how I saw the foundation and then, you know, asking myself the question, if I didn't make it home and I was fortunate, you know, mm-hmm. of course I was fortunate and, and there's others that weren't as mm-hmm. fortunate as I was, but if I didn't make it home for my two kids, what, what would have I wanted for them if, if, uh, I wasn't so lucky. Right. And so, um, a long answer to your question, Sherry, but no, but those were, you know, really three very pivotal, pivotal events. No, I appreciate it. I've met a lot of injured service members um, that have, um, you know, lost limbs or um, suffered traumatic brain injury. I mean, varying degrees of injuries um, throughout my time of going up to Walter Reed and, and visiting folks and and Bethesda Naval when it was Bethesda Naval and um, all those sorts of things. But did you think at that point, I mean, during your recovery that you would be able to stay on active duty, Kent? Um, you know, 
that's a that's a it's a good question. I got to really think back to that. I I believed that I could do it, and mm-hmm. I think the real question for me was, could I do what I wanted to do, which was be a Green Beret? Right. So, you know, people were able at the time I got wounded. People were able to get waivers to continue on active duty. Correct. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I go back to that laying in that bed. I was 35 years old. I was a special forces officer. I loved what I, I loved what I did. I loved the people I worked with and really couldn't see myself doing anything else. And, um, so yes, I thought I could continue on active duty, but the real question is, cause I, could I continue to be in this formation that I just grown to love? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that stung until I finally knew the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Very, very cool. Thank you for sharing your story and uh, elaborating more on on when you were injured and and your recovery and all those sorts of things. And I hope hope people find some inspiration in there, uh, Kent. Um, well, let's transition just a little bit and tell our listeners about the mission of Gold Star Teen Adventures and really the three pillars that remain a solid focus for teens and staff. Okay. So the three pillars for Gold Star Teen Adventures uh, are healing, opportunity, and leadership. And so to break each of those down and some of them, you know, kind of tie back to those experiences I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, healing is clearly, you know, the most important and the top of the list of things that we do. And we do this a little bit differently than some other programs. Um, and I like to think that GSTA picks up where other programs leave off. So if you take a young person who, who goes through this emotional trauma of losing, losing a parent, um, there's a time, I think, where you need the grieving and you need, you, you need that time to work through as best you can what happened. But I also believe that there's a season for that time and that season ends and then it's time to move on, right? And reflect back to what I said with the the two people that I saw at Walter Reed, the two groups. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when we talked about these pillars, you said, all right, how do we build a program that helps these young people to move forward? You know, not to stop and be defined by that event or to, to go back year after year to a program that, uh, to a grieving program where they, you know, perhaps they've re- revisited something they've moved past. Right. So, so that's where we felt GSTA was going to pick the ball up and continue down the field was now come to our program. And, um, that lesson I talked about, and actually I really didn't talk about this piece, Sherry, but another thing I kind of learned at the hospital was the, the, most important emotional healing for me was not, well, let me say what was somebody else who had a shared experience. So not, you know, not necessarily a vicarious experience, but Hey, I have been where you are. You know, I know what you're going through. Yes. I have those pains. Yes. You know, whether they're emotional or physical, whatever, but there's a connection you know, you're part of a club that you don't want to be a part of necessarily, right? right. But you're part of this club. Yeah. But when you get to be around other people that know the gravity of what you're going through, 
that was the greatest thing for me. And, and not only did it inspire me to move past sort of that, you know, emotional side of this as well, but I believe it needs to help my physical recovery because it gave me, it gave me what I needed to get there. Mm-hmm. So with GSDA, with Gold Star Teen Adventures, that's, that's, I think, the, the secret sauce for our healing mm-hmm. is the fact that we bring these young people together and they all know that each other has lost a parent, right? And we don't advertise it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. not, it's just understood. And right. the same experience that I had in the hospital is the same experience these young people have when all of a sudden they have this family where everybody understands, everybody knows somebody might have lost their dad 15 years ago. Someone might have lost their dad a year ago. Um, but they're on this journey and they're, you know, they are able to help each other in a way that I don't think anybody else can. Mm-hmm. And so we see this magic year after year when these kids have that chance that I'm talking about to come together and they're when they're gold star teen adventure family. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the healing um part of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh that second piece I talked about is opportunity. And um when I Ask that question that I said earlier about what would have I wanted for my own kids. Um, so my kids now are young adults, but with me coming back home, a lot of the things my kids grew up doing, they did because I was there. Right. You know, my kids are scuba divers. My kids are rock climbers. My kids hunt. My, you know, all those cool things that you know I love to do, and we do in GSTA. My kids just grew up doing because, well, that's what dad did. And each, and those experiences formulated a lot of who they are, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you learn things in those environments, challenging yourselves, doing those things. And so what I want for these young people is I want them to have those same experiences. And I want them to do world-class opportunities And I want them to go back to school after the summer and tell all their friends about the really cool things that they got to do and all those benefits of doing those, those things that help you grow, they get those benefits as well, you know, and that's the, the adventure side of our program and the opportunities to get through these adventure adventures that we get to do really tie into that third um, pillar that I talked about, which is leadership. Um, And you can't, you, you, you can't meet a military guy that's been in the Army for <laughs> 27-ish years, coming on 28 years, that we don't think about leader and character development in young people, right? So mm-hmm. everything that we do in the program, um, we want to give young people the tools to become the greatest young adults and um, give them the tools to succeed moving forward, right? So creating a a hyper good environment that's teen led events as much as we possibly can with mentors and the staff and the volunteers around them that, 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 you know, teach them and show them how to be a good leader and a good follower and what, you know, good character is and what a strong ethical compass could mean. All, you know, all of those things combined, um, 
or you know that particularly i think at that age are really important right. so um we try to we even integrate those those things into everything that we do in the in in our program from the moment the teens arrive to the moment they leave that um you know how can we in a positive way impact their thinking and behavior that we just think are going to make them successful and and our hope is that they you know reach the maximum potential that they can and and really become who we believe their their parent their parents would want them to be so mm-hmm. and we just hope we get to play a small piece in that yeah well you guys do great things and we've been fortunate enough to send a couple of our EOD Gold Star teens to attend your programs. The feedback that we've received has been incredibly positive. So I think you guys are, are doing wonderful things. Um, who, who qualifies for your programs? And do you distinguish, you know, the differences between a teen who loses a parent while in combat versus maybe a battle at home? So, Um, absolutely not. And I love how you phrase that, you know, battles at home. Um, and we do not distinguish. And and I'll tell you, we've had, we've had teens that have come from, of course, um, combat loss. We've had teens come from families with suicide that have struggled exactly the way you just so well articulated. Um, We've had those that have lost their lives training to go to combat over here in the continental United States. And honestly, we, you know, even we've had families just, you know, they're, they're, they're veterans, not veterans. They were active duty soldiers that were serving that uh, a health and unfortunate, you know, terminal illness mm-hmm. uh, took their life. So we do not distinguish. Uh, and, and you think about it from a young person's perspective. I lost my parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're asking me the criteria, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and as far as the, the sort of age range that we, we like to work with the teens, we like to start them at 14 years old and they can stay in the program till 19. Um, and the reason we pick 14 is just the, the, the kind of the level of adventure that we do a lot of these activities. We find that's sort of the best age to start a mat to be able to handle some of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because our programs, each one of our uh, academies runs four years that allows you to finish out an academy or we have some teens that are actually in both of our academies. And so, you know, you kind of got five years if you start a 14 to, to really take advantage of all the things that we, we offer. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, speaking of academies, I know that GSTA offers really two paths, which is the Scuba Academy and the Outdoor Academy. Um, can you explain what each of these programs are like? Absolutely. So I'll start with the Scuba Academy. Uh, so Scuba's at, Scuba Academy is actually the, the very first academy that we started. And so if a teen joins our program in the scuba academy they basically come in all i require of them is some ability to swim a little bit (laughs) and uh and we we start on the very first year uh giving them a national association of underwater instructors certification uh as a as a scuba diver so in layman's terms they get their very first certification to scuba dive 
Um, so after that week of training with us, they could go anywhere in the world, present their card. And, you know, if they're the right age to dive into independently, they can, they can do so. And then in the subsequent three years, we continue to advance their skills in scuba diving. So they'll start as, you know, that entry level sort of one-on-one level scuba diver. And then by the time they reach the fourth year, um, we've trained them all the way up to what is recognized as a rescue diver. Wow. So, um, and, and the rescue diver level is one level below becoming basically a professional in the dive industry. Mm-hmm. So they really get to be very proficient at diving the time that we spend with them. And, and some of the teens, um, even take that further and we, we, you know, begin to train them and cross them over into being uh, professional level divers. So, uh, they, they really get to hone in on their skills and, and, um, there's so much to be learned with scuba diving as well. So it's, it's a, a skill obviously that happens underwater, but the magic is, is just watching these young people develop through all the things that we take them through and what it teaches them. Um, our outdoor Academy, similar to the scuba Academy, you know, we focus on a certain set of skills, but the outdoors is a little bit broader. So uh, the very first year they come, we introduced them to outdoor survival, which was a lot of fun because they trained with the Green Berets at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, who cool. trained them in survival skills. And then um, they get introduced to backcountry camping uh, and back backcountry backpacking. And then we take them up into the um, western North Carolina, up into the mountains, and they get a chance to kind of put those skills to the test give them some uh, introduction to first aid and some other skills that again, the, the longer term goal of making them independent at said skill. So that's the first year. Second year we bring them back and we have a, uh, a week of rock climbing. And so they'll be, they'll be uh, camping out in the woods and things as part of the back or the rock climbing program. But they will uh, advance from, you know, basically, hey, learning knots to by the end of the week climbing three or four hundred foot cliffs, wow. you know, with guides. So they really get, you know, welcome to rock climbing, and and you're going to get to do it at some pretty cool levels by the end. Wow. Um, the third year, we have a wilderness first aid and swift water rescue week, adventure week where that's the two skills we focus on. So we actually get them a certification in, in wilderness and remote first aid. And then they also get uh, two days of swift water rescue training, which is best. That's, that's a, a fan favorite with the teens. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, uh, we, we introduced them as part of our outdoor program to hunting. This year is an example. We have a white-tailed deer hunt in the fall and a duck hunt. And then uh, COVID put this one on the shelf, but uh, as we come out of COVID next summer, uh, we'll uh, have a paddling program. So they'll be exposed to multi-day canoeing. And that's kind of the culmination event of the outdoors program where you get to put a lot of those skills to the test, um, you know, with with a multi-day trip with your, with your team. So, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's the flow of the outdoor Academy. Very cool. And so you have instructors in place that are professionally trained that are giving these instructions to the teenagers. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. Yep. These are uh, everyone with a with an appropriate certification level 
for the skill that they're training. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Um, It it is. mm -hmm. I'm a big kid when I get to hang out and do these things with the teens. Well, when a Gold Star teen applies for your program, um, the vision is really to keep them in uh, for four years. And and how is that accomplished? Um, So, you know, it's it's funny when a teen, and, you know, of course, there's always reservation when you read about something online or or you have a friend tell you and you're like, yeah, you know what, maybe I'll give it a try. So, so I credit every single Gold Star team that, that steps into the, the unknown of our program, um, their very first time because, uh, it's a big step, but, um, 99.999% of the time, uh, once they've joined the program for that first event and, you know, and I mean this in a great way, we can't get rid of them, uh, <laughs> just because they, they want to come back. They, they want to be a part of this family. They want to be a part of this group. Mm-hmm. And so that's the hook is just come out one time. And, um, and, and again, nine times out of 10, the teens are joining both academies just because they want to be a part of whatever they can, they can do with the, with the, the teens that they're working with and the group. So, mm-hmm. um, that's my advice to anybody that hears this, that's thinking, ah, oh, you know, I don't know, should I give it a try? I'd say, give it a try. And, uh, my, my promise to you, to that person is there, I have a feeling I'll see a lot more of them. Right. No, that's awesome. Um, very, very cool, uh, you know, like events and activities that you provide. And I like that, you know, every year that they come back, it's something a little bit different. You know, you, you step up the game a little bit. So I think that's encouraging too. Um, it is really important that our listeners know that, you know, Gold Star Teen Adventures is not a grief camp. I mean, we touched on it just a little bit earlier, Kent, but, um, can you just elaborate on that? I mean, it's it's obviously it's you're encouraging these teens to do activities and certainly not um not excluding that they've lost a parent for sure, but it's more of a, a remembrance of, of their parent. But what else what are what are your other thoughts about that too? That's a, that's a great question. And so, and I, and I, I want to repeat what I said before, by no means am I, um, discouraging any of the other programs. Cause there is a, there is a need for those programs, Absolutely, Absolutely. <clears throat> but I will, uh, just as a good example, I've got some teens that, you know, they were infants when they lost, when they lost that parent mm-hmm. and it's like 12, 13, 15 years later. Um, and so we need to come in at that very dynamic point in your life when you're growing up, figuring out, figuring things out. Um, and, and I, and I'm passionate about introducing these teens to this idea of, Hey, remember your parents, be proud of your parents. Don't forget about the military, you know? And, and, and and by the way, when I say that I am not a recruit for, (laughs) for any branch of the military what i mean by that is there's a connection with a with a military family that we appreciate Mm -hmm. you know and and if you think about uh, from a military family's perspective this is a family business Mm -hmm. and you know my kids grew up around military bases they they knew military families they knew what the px was they they went to pt with dad in the morning sometimes 
for physical training, you know, and we're part of key military events. And then when you lose that parent, oftentimes, you know, you move away from from that military installation and that military family and that connection you had to something that was really important to your family before. And so, um, I thought, I thought that was important, but it was validated to me when I have had teens express to me how much it meant when we hold, for example, like a junior warrior weekend and we take the teens to one of the SEAL teams and we train with them for a week, a weekend rather, or, to one of the special forces groups and we train with the green berets for, for, uh, you know, a few days mm-hmm. and just for them to be able to feel like, Hey, I'm part of this community still. Um, and I didn't lose that. Um, I'll give you one more example, which just resonates with me, but we had a young lady who we were on a trip, we were on a dive trip to key, key Largo. And it just happened to be by chance I got notified that I was you know, getting promoted to another rank. Mm-hmm. And so just for the fun of it, we thought, you know what? We're with our GSDA family. Let's let's do this with this family. Like, I'm not going to go back to my military base and do this. Like, I'm going to do it right here with these teens. Mm-hmm. And so so we did it. And this was years later. Uh, I asked her, I said, hey, what was the most you know memorable event for you? of all your GSTA experiences. And she's literally done everything. She's now one of our team leaders, um, sort of elevated to leadership positions because she's a young adult now. And she said, hey, it was that time that we promoted you. She said, because for that moment, I was back with my military family. Mm. I thought, wow, you know, um, that's important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, giving them that back, like, uh, and, and sure, you got to forgive me because I'm kind of going off your question a little bit, but this it's just important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, giving them the sense of that family, like, hey, it's still here for you. You're still a part of this family. And it was important to your family before. It was important to your parent. And, and you know, that unfortunate event didn't take that away. Right. So. No, answering, answering that question. I, you know, I probably, (laughs) I just sidestepped off your first question and I got to remember what you asked me in the first place. No, it was, it's totally fine. No, you answered my question. And I, I think it was just important for me to circle back to the question or circle back talking about grief. Um, as, as we both agree, and I would imagine everybody really does across the board is that there's a time and a place for, um, for, you know, grief-focused camps and other organizations do a really, really fantastic job of this. And but Gold Star Teen Adventures is more for the adventure part of it and teaching skills and and doing those sorts of things. So that's what I was trying to just sort of drive home a little bit. And and you answered yeah, okay, it perfectly. Well, okay, good. I, I hoped I didn't didn't uh, you know ping a little too far left no no it's totally you you did great so how can someone learn more about gold star teen adventures so the best place is to visit our website um, which is uh, gstadventures.org and we're in full swing right now for our summer programming, but you know, we'll be looking to fall and spring here pretty soon. And for families that are really interested in in um, joining us, you know, as we as we look ahead to the to next year, we'll typically open our applications in you know January 
time frame. Okay. And they fill very quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we don't even really advertise or anything. This is just become really a word of mouth within the Gold Star community. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would encourage people to reach out to, to GSTA early. So even now, if you're interested in joining upcoming programs, just by reaching out to us, we'll put your name on a list and we'll let you know, hey, you know, like a week out from now, applications are going to open if you're interested. So you, you kind of get a little bit of a head start knowing that it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we that's how we fill programs every year. And to learn more about it, the website's a great place to start and reach out to us with any questions. We'd be glad to correspond email or pick up the phone and talk to anybody about what we do. Very cool. So um, do you also have volunteer opportunities for folks out there? We, we do. And just by nature of what we do, um, the, the people that best would qualify to volunteer with us are people that kind of bring those, those skills of, you know, scuba instructors, rock climbing guides, mm-hmm. um, that kind of higher level of training is, is, is really the, the thing that we look for. And then of course, when you bring those people in, um, those that have a passion for what, what we're doing coupled with their skills. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, do you have a story or a testimony to share with our listeners, maybe from one of your, uh, program participants, Kent? Sure. I mean, wish we had more time for that question, but, uh, I, and I'll answer that question in a minute, but I think it's, kind of good to know up front like everybody that comes in the program you know you bring you bring a whole different background right there's no one team that comes in with a cookie cutter situation that you just transplant onto somebody else so what's important about this program the reason that i want to see kids year after year (coughs) excuse me year after year is because that's how we get to know teams you know and that's how you identify whatever need they might have. So uh, for some teens, just coming in and being a part of this family is what they need, you know, and and that's their opportunity to grow and take what they can from this program. And then we have other teens that really have some very profound, for lack of a better word, I guess, problems, Um, whether it's home life, Mm -hmm. school, just you know, have never fully bounced back from from um, the the trauma of losing that parent, and so those are the ones that we wrap our arms around in different ways. And so, an example that you asked, we had one young man, and and I hate to say this, but this isn't like a one off, you know, but mm-hmm. um, lost his father over in Afghanistan when he was a young, you know, young boy. And then, uh, a few years later, uh, lost his mom to cancer Mm. after losing both mom and dad. Uh, it looked like graduating from high school was not going to happen. So we were able to intervene in that situation, send this young man to a uh, military Institute where he graduated from high school out of that military institute really found some direction in his life and enlisted in the army 
out of the military academy and is now, uh, you know, a young airborne infantryman in our army with some real purpose in his life and in a, in a direction that he didn't have before. And to me, those are those, those are the ones that they all matter. Right. But when you see someone get off the highway at the right exit, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. So take that story, morph it into, 10 other circumstances that when you get to know somebody and they trust you and you find those things out and you figure out how not only through GSDA programming, but what does that person need and how do we meet you at the point of your need and help you solve that problem and, and give you, give you what you, you know, give you the tools you need to succeed. Those are the biggest wins. Sure. Sure. Will you give them hope? you know, and um, an opportunity. And sometimes, you know, people need to feel cared for. And it certainly um, comes across to me that GSDA absolutely uh, cares for every every teenager that comes through their um, program. And with the long-lasting hope that, you know, eventually maybe you would have some of your alumni come back and, you know, volunteer for you or be in a leadership position or, or that sort of thing. So I think it's very encouraging, Kent, and appreciate all that you guys do. Well, thanks, Sherry. Um, well, my final question to you is what, what does the future hold for GSTA? So, um, 20, well, this is, this is a mark on the wall. So 2022, I'm sorry, 2023, uh, we are hoping to actually open up what we're going to call the gold star teen adventures base camp where, um, we'll actually finally have a home and we're making some assumptions that I will know, I will hang up my uniform by then and, um, (laughs) and be a, be a civilian, but Mm -hmm. <clears throat> assuming that happens um, that's our goal is really to to finally have a a place that will put the flag for for gold star teen adventures that has been transient as a result of still being active duty right so that's mm-hmm. that's uh a project in our future um but i think more more important than that is that you know we are compelled and have made a promise to to the families that we serve and the families that we will serve that um, I'll continue. And my wife will continue to do this just as long as there's a need. And then, um, you know, our second promise always is this, this will never cost a penny for a family to come. Mm-hmm. We'll always do this uh, at no cost to them. So we will keep that promise. And, um, you know, I never know when that time is going to come that I just talked about. And we always think, well, the, far, the farther that we move away from sort of the conflicts that this generation has experienced, that you'd think, well, you know, m- maybe this year, maybe maybe there'll be less this year. But mm-hmm. if 2021 is any indicator, um, we have the fullest programs that we've had in the 10 years that we've done this. Wow. And um, and we had waiting lists this year. And uh, and again, we didn't we didn't advertise mm-hmm. anywhere for anything. Um, and so that tells me that we're going to be around for, for a while longer, but, Mm -hmm. but, um, well, you know, we owe it, we owe it to these families. Like it's a responsibility. And Mm -hmm. if you, if you have the ability to 
to do this, you know, then I feel like we need to do it. Right, right. Well, it also speaks volumes um, about the quality of your program, too. And, uh, you know, what, what a great... What a great organization, Kent. And do you have any idea where you're, you know, where you're going to have this base camp? <laughs> so we are planning, and, and who knows, this could change, right? Because we haven't actually paid for any property yet, but we're looking at Tennessee. Tennessee. So okay. I'd like to be close to the Smoky Mountains mm-hmm. um, and use that as a place where we really focus on a lot of our outdoor activities. I have yet to find a place that has the right ocean next to mountains. <laughs> so <laughs> we're still going to have to travel a little bit for our dive programming, but uh, yeah. a lot of the rest of our programming will be out of this base camp. And, and we're just excited for the idea that I remember growing up um, and, you know, every summer going to church camp, you know, and mm-hmm. that was something you looked forward to all year round. And it was the magic of the place and the magic of the people. And I would love for these teens to have that place that they'll look back on and remember um, some crucible moments in their lives and some places that they had epiphanies that were, they'll look back and say, yeah, this is where it was. And I'm going to go back and visit it. And um, just becomes a part of, of those great memories that are associated with a great place. So that's what we want to build. Very nice. Well, I wish you the very, very best on that endeavor, and uh, I, I hope this season, you know, is just full of great memories for these Gold Star teens as well. Well, thanks, Sherry. Um, we're uh, we got about seven days till the next scuba camp, so mm-hmm. I'm getting fired up. I took some leaves, so I get to go to this one. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Good for you. And where is this one going to be, Kent? This one is going to be in Key West, Florida, and Fantastic. what's cool about it is we uh, we run the camp out of excuse me we run the adventure out of um, the where combat divers are trained. So military special forces combat divers have a school down in Key West, and mm-hmm. that's where the teens will stay. That's where the teens will train, and then when we take them out in the ocean, we link up with some local dive shops. But it's really cool because you're on this hallowed ground where, um, you know, the, the special forces regiments, combat divers learn to do their skill. And, and it's, it's even cooler when you have a young green beret, um, gold star that every single person that's graduated from that school, their pictures on the wall mm-hmm. and, uh, their dad's pictures there, you know, oh. and they're training in the pool that their dad trained in. Like you can't, you, you can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, Ken, it has been so much fun to talk with you. And thank you for sharing all about Gold Star Teen Adventures and also your personal journey. Um, and before I let you go, I always like to ask folks some of their favorites. So um, yeah. I'd love to do that. And first one is going to be, what is your favorite outdoor activity? If you could choose oh, wow. one. impossible Uh it's impossible to choose one but but if i had to if you put me in a corner i would say i love um i love rock climbing Mm. and uh okay i gotta give you two because it's impossible to do one Um, i love uh backcountry backpacking cool um, where do you like rock climbing? What's your favorite? Like, do you have a favorite place that you go back to? Um, you know, the, I, I was stationed in South Korea and that's actually where I very first 
time I, I rock climbed, uh, that's where I got that experience. And so, uh, I'd love to be able to go back and do that. But in the United States, there's so many wonderful places too. So, but, but I'd say South Korea was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Um, do you have a favorite book or a favorite author that you like? I would say a uh, favorite book. Um, it's called the long walk and, uh, the book, it's an incredible story. And it's a true story, which even makes it crazier. But it's about uh, seven, seven prisoners who escaped uh, prison in Russia and ended up walking all the way, like literally walking all the way to Africa. And it's just, it's a story about the human spirit. Um, and it's riveting. It's one you pick up, you can't put down. So yes, that is my favorite book. Okay, cool. I, I'm going to put that on my reading list. <laughs> You'll have to tell me what you think. It's, okay. it's unbelievable. I will do that. Um, how about a favorite, do you have a favorite style of music? Mm, depends what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> if I'm working out, you know, I got to have some, some rock music to get mm-hmm. you pumped up. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when I'm driving in my car, I like to listen to country music. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to listen to contemporary Christian music. So, uh, but probably out of three of those country will trump them all. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about a favorite food? Oh boy. Uh, junk. It's got, you know, you get it, you get a cheat, a cheat day every mm-hmm. week. And so I'd say pizza. Pizza. Uh huh. Okay, cool. Can't go wrong with good old pizza. You can't. That's a winner. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, again, Kent, thank you so much for your time today and, uh, sharing with our listeners about Gold Star Teen Adventures. And I am very anxious to get this podcast out into the world so that folks can listen and also sign up for some of the great programs that you guys offer. And, um, I look forward to staying in touch and wishing you the very, very best for 2021. Thank you, Sherry. And, um, I, 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 I want to take this opportunity to thank you for what you do for the military families and what this podcast does and what the message you propagate because it matters. And, and um, so my respect to you and my thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Absolutely. And have a wonderful weekend. All right. You too, Sherry. Okay. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast. This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at eodwarriorfoundation.org. And don't forget to tell a friend.